I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop. I was in forensics. I was in the air wing. World class. And I was a New South Wales firefighter. Top shelf. Have I... Have I left anything out? No, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious, the podcast where a writer talks to his dad about the fact that he ran a funeral home when we were both... Well, it was back in the 90s, wasn't it, Dad? It was in the swinging 90s that you ran a funeral home. I don't think they refer to the 90s as the swinging 90s. Unless you're a swinger, in which case... But do you know actually what a swinger is, Paul? Yes, I do, Dad, and we don't need to have that conversation. Okay. Okay. Uh, By the way, one week until Electric Blue lands... Which is just Plans. so stressful. Is it sort of flying around in a plane at the moment? It, no, it's currently... There's one copy and it's falling from orbit. And we've timed it so that it will actually make um, landfall 12.01am on the 18th will, of August. Will it have tiny parachutes? Uh, like, that, like that SpaceX thing that came down a few days ago? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, Elon Musk is kind of coordinating the, the, uh, the re-entry process. Are you excited, Dad? I got a copy. And I'm not known for my... I mean, I find it quite difficult to read a book because my mind's all over the shop. Yeah. I read it in 48 hours, which yeah. is unprecedented. That's pretty crazy. In fact, Christine went out to yeah. do something. She was gone for a long time. She came back and I said, oh, have you have you already been? What does that tell you? Well, you got absorbed. Do you think yeah. people are going to enjoy it? I don't think that at all. I, I know it for, as a fact. <laughs> all right? But anyway, look, I, I, I can't talk about it. Because if I'd start talking about it, I just can't. Because it's not possible to talk about it without me talking about it in, in specifics. Like there's a whole section that's beyond exciting and I can't even mention that. That we're not allowed to talk about. So um, I'm getting a lot of feedback from overseas. Mm-hmm. A, a lot. A lot of feedback from, from this world. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge, only this world, the book's available. Um, Wait, what do you mean this world? Like the Earth. Oh, sure. I don't no, think it's available I... on other planets at this stage. Not yet. We're working on yeah. We're working on a kind of transdimensional portal to mm. get it out to the outer mm. outer colonies. But yes, yeah. But yes. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Yeah. So, so people are super excited. Yeah. As a, as am I. I'm very excited. And it's weird because I do tell people every single pretty well every person I meet in the street and particularly in my contacts with my work, I just go into this mode 
where firstly I tell them, I get a bit excited and tell them about you and the book. And then I point to my, my sternum and, I, and they go, what? what, what? And I say, well, the book's actually about me. It is. And they, and they look at me and some people go, are you, are you, are you kidding? And I say, no, I'm not kidding. I read a book about you. Yeah. 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 No, but, no, you two know, books. Yeah, two books. So if you haven't already grabbed your copy. Uh, oh, and by the way, everyone, we are going to be doing some sort of super secret online launch event because what we wanted to do was a big book launch, like a big party and everyone could come along and drink and eat and it would have been, there would have been, you know, special guests and would have read some stuff from the book and dad and I would have chatted. Uh, and obviously that can't happen because we're in lockdown and I'm stuck in Victoria and Australia is in a bit of a state of distress. So we've decided to do the entire book launch digitally. So make sure you keep your eyes open because we're going to be dropping some announcements very soon as to when and where this digital launch is going to be. Yeah, so basically there's going to be a big online launch, but we haven't uh, unveiled when or where it's going to be. And like I said, on the day of the book launch, which is the 18th of August, people, on the 18th in the morning, I'm going to be doing something very, very, very special, which I can't talk about. This is so annoying. I, I agreed I wouldn't tell anyone about this. It's really, really important that everyone pre-orders the book. Hmm. And the launch is so secretive that <laughs> I don't even know about it. That's right. No one knows. <laughs> it's going to be, it's really weird trying to organize a big global book launch during a period when the world is you know, in its current state, but also when we can't leave. So if you want to keep up to date on everything, we'll let you know on the podcast um, on Friday, but also you can head across to our Facebook page and get more updates from there. Anyway, Dad, I was locked indoors as we all have been lately and Tegan and I decided to watch The Mummy, which is that fantastic film from the late 90s. It's basically a bit of an Indiana Jones ripoff. It's set in Egypt and it's got Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise, and it's, you know... It started this weird conversation between Tiggs and I about what embalming is. And I know that we've been putting off the embalming discussion for a while. You mentioned last episode that embalming is actually something that freelancers do. Mm. Like a contractor will come in, do an embalming. Do, do they like wander from town to town like Ronan kind of just doing odd jobs? Or are they, are they like firefighters who are stationed in different precincts? How far will a fire... Will a, you know what? Let's get to that later. First of all... Just for people who don't actually know what it is, what is embalming? Well, embalming is basically uh, removing all the blood mm -hmm. from the body. Yep. And there's a fair bit of blood. I think there's around about between six and eight. I think it's liters. I know, I know there was like pints. 12 pints or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair whack. If you were de to decant all the blood inside an average person... Uh-huh. Um, That'd be a weird thing to do. I mean, that's a weird yeah. hobby. But, but well, if you were to sort of... Um, you know, hang them upside down. Oh, exsanguinate them. Is that the word? Yeah, when you um, when you hang someone upside down and let the blood and let the heart actually pump the blood out, that's exsanguination. Amazing. Yeah, I know that if you hit some of the arteries, the major ones, it can take around about twenty seconds. Jesus to, Christ! To to pump the blood. Yeah, it spurts out like in an anime. Yeah. So, um, but the Egyptians were doing it for members of you know high society. Yeah, it was fascinating because they that. Like with embalming today, they don't remove the brain, but mm. the Egyptians did remove the brains. With a hook, unless yeah, I'm... through the nose, through yeah. the nose generally. Yeah. And that, I imagine, would have been a fairly time-consuming process because the brain's a fairly big organ. Yeah. So you'd have what? to sort of stick sharp things up and sort of move them around to sort of slice up and then remove manageable pieces. But, it would, you know, you would have had a fair bit of time to do it, I imagine. Because back in those days, it was probably a full-time gig. Yeah. But with embalming nowadays, there are two reasons they will embalm. 
one of them is to present a body for for viewing. Yes. And the second reason is to preserve the body, perhaps for a long time. I read about a woman in Russia recently, in her 20s, and she was being put on an IV drip. And instead of giving her saline, they gave her formalin or formaldehyde. Formaldehyde, yeah. And she lasted 14 hours. So they basically fed this highly toxic... It's a deadly chemical. And anyway, she lasted 14 hours. But what happened was, is that it basically destroyed her insides. Because the heart pumps whatever is injected into you around the... Around the body. The body. The sole objective of this particular scary chemical is to preserve. So she was actually given a preserving chemical, highly toxic, while she was still alive. And she uh, she died a very painful and horrific death. That is a bit of a stuff-up, I'd go now, so far as to say. You've talked about... Okay, so you've t- we've, we've kind of talked very briefly about, you know, what it's for. I guess what the listeners and myself are dying to know, if you'll forgive the pun is have you ever seen an embalming take place and could you walk us through it in painful detail? Yes, I can. So um, as the listeners are more than aware, I've seen hundreds of post-mortems and I've been to a lot of incidents where people have passed away or have been in the process of passing away. When I got the job at Kinsella's, I had a few... They sort of eased me into the whole process fairly slowly, thank God, in terms of the dealing with the dead. Because mm. it's really traumatic. That's, I find it um, uh, pretty upsetting to go into. It's like all those movies you've ever seen and CSI, all those American shows, the English shows where people, the police go into the morgue and they've got the bank of uh, fridges and they open up the door and they slide out the sort of a gurney and generally there's a body lying down on these sort of uh, movable trays and the bodies are generally covered with a sheet at least that's how it is in the in the in the movies um, yeah but quite often i found that in the funeral business um the bodies were generally wrapped in a white sort of like a uh, like a sleeve like a white sleeve because sometimes the bodies had been um they'd had post-mortems at the uh at the morgue like Stalin. Do you know that Stalin is still on view? Did you know that? Yes, I did, actually, yes. And and, and, and how do you think they do that? They Every probably... I, I'm, I'm going to have to take a stab in the dark here, but let's say once a year, they re-embalm they him, him. They top him up. God, that'd be a weird job, wouldn't it? Just yes. give him a gla- like Just glazing him like a ham. So, look, if any of the listeners um, can imagine or have seen a deceased person, they look, well... Dare I say it, they look dead, which is actually quite apt in saying that. I'm not saying it flippantly, but there's a big difference between looking at someone. Uh, you just get this feeling and it's very, they, they just, everything sort of sinks in and they get this, this colour that's, the colour of, um, I'll describe it as a very, very light coloured sort of margarine yellowy, Ugh. kind of waxy, oh, it's a sort of a, Oh, no, it's sort of whitish, but no, it's not quite white. It's yellow, but not quite yellow. It's this sort of lightish, lightish, creamy colour. Uh, it's it's just not so great. And um, then the fingernails and the nails become slightly purple. 
and they look pretty pretty crook. But with an embalming, so I'd been at Kinsella's for a while, and then one Saturday afternoon, they had this embalmer. Uh, they used to use this guy. Uh, he was an American, hmm. and he had two claims to fame in my in my mind. The first claim to fame was that he had embalmed Marilyn Monroe, which is just, you know, that's a that's a big big thing to have done. And the second thing that he'd done that I find absolutely, I can't even imagine how someone could do this, but he embalmed his own son in America. Yeah. And he was a legend, this guy. And uh, he was, a, he was a, a larger-than-life American guy, and he'd been around. And uh, I asked, I said, look, would I be able to watch an embalming? And I'd never seen one before. And to quote the famous words, as I did in a previous podcast, you only need to see one. If that, yeah, it's not. Shall I walk you through the procedure? Well, we had um, a tiny mortuary at Kinsella Funeral Homes, which had a, a bank of fridges. I think, from memory, somewhere between six and nine fridges. Mm-hmm. They looked like old beer fridges with stainless steel doors and big handles. Sure, they'd been there for a long time. Jack had prepared this particular body. I was there when he actually removed the body from the fridge. He put it onto a uh, He sort of slid it out on this trolley. He then moved it onto a fixed bench, which had all the drain holes. And next to the bench, he had this machine that I can only describe. And the second I saw it, and for this, and and I can remember so distinctly that it looked like a slurpy machine. Oh, good God. That's the best analogy. It looked like one of those machines that, and for those that don't know what a slurpy machine is, you see them, they're sort of like the top of a big test tube. No, normally they've got a dome top. And inside they've got this colourful uh, sort Goo. of... Yeah, this sort of syrupy stuff. And they can be in blues and pinks and greens and browns. And just to be clear, the, these colours you're referring to are the colours of slurpees, not the colours of embalming Correct, fluid. Correct, because there's only one colour of embalming fluid to my knowledge, and that's I'd describe it as electric pink. And I oh, guess there's a good reason for that. Because yeah. what happens is, as the listeners will begin to understand, that, that colour is important. So they, he's got all these tools next to him. Um, and imagine... So it's being prepared for a viewing. It's going to be embalmed. A couple of things. You, I mean, can you have you ever thought, Paul how you'd close the eyes and keep the eyes closed of a, of a dead person? Look, if I was being an idiot, I'd say glue. Mm. But honestly, so you'd sew them shut? Like, no, no, you... no. They use, what are the, they use what are called eye caps. Okay. So they're sort of a plastic dome, but they've got tiny little... The best way to describe it... You know if you get a like a very fine cheese grater? Yes. You know, you've got those little sections that yep. are raised. Yep. So they... Pop those over the eye. So you've actually got to open up the eyelid. You pop yep. it over the eye. And then when you pull the eyelids oh, no. over yep. the white cap, the cap, yep. they they grip yep. from the inside. That's really gross. Yep. But it so makes the, complete sense. Yeah. So you actually close the eye. Great. So I watched um, Jack prepare the eyes using yep. the eye caps. 
And uh, that was pretty uh, pretty full on. And then what ha- what he did, he then locates um, one of the main veins uh, or, or the arteries, I should say. Yeah. He locates an artery, and he used one um, up near uh, the top of the body. From memory, I'm just sort of feeling my own body, trying to remember where it was, but it was a, a pretty major uh, artery. And he used this special little, like a like a hook, and he makes an incision because he knows where 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 you know, they're they're pretty well briefed on basic anatomy. Yeah, he locates the uh, the artery and he pulls it out. And these arteries, they're you know they're a decent sized uh, diameter, and he connects this machine via a hose via a tube mm. into the artery. Now, before he cranks the machine up. Because his objective is to replace all the blood in the body with the embalming fluid. So, and it's pink because pink now you'll realise is a good colour because that's going to help in giving the body that lifelike colour, which is a very kind of normal... If you have a look at your own skin, that's the colour. Hang on. So, they put a luminous pink into the embalming fluid so that it, um, it, it gives a warm hue correct yeah that's insane well it's pretty clever really imagine if they like if it was an if it was for example a martian assuming they're green uh oh you okay you'd put green fluid right you wouldn't yeah. use pink fluid because blood is red therefore i mean i can't see my veins right now but you're saying that it would actually just kind of add to a kind of an overall glow Okay, all right. So he's he's jacked in this. His name is Jack Paul, and you just said he's jacked. I said he's. I was. I meant he's jacking in the. uh, It's fine. The person that was uh, that you're watching get embalmed. Mm. Can you describe the person? Was it old, old, young, male, female, elderly lady? Okay. And she was. um, Yeah, she was. uh, Well, she was deceased, Mm. which is always a uh, a good start. Do you remember uh, how she died? Uh, Natural causes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there were no um, kind of, tr- uh, you know, traumas that you had to kind of disguise because I know that... Um... No, no, not on this particular case. But, okay. But okay. there have been many, many that I subsequently uh, got involved with where they had to bring in experts to do facial... Um, reconstruction. You know, reconstruction. Sure. And there is a point where you just go, you know what, can't do it. Now, so you start pumping in, but prior to pumping in through the artery, can you think about what would happen or what... What would happen to the body if you just kept pumping? I mean, what? where does all the blood go that you're trying to get rid of? Uh, well, okay, first of all, what happens to blood consistency-wise once it's stopped flowing for a couple of days? Is mm, it? That's a great question. Does it clot? or? Um, look, it, it, it's a bit harder to get going, but believe you me, with the pressure that they use, because, you know, they use clamps to, to clamp... The, the tube inside the, the artery because they're going to give it a little bit of pressure. You, you, uh-huh. There is definitely pressure happening because they're simulating the heart. But here's the thing. They need to get rid of all the blood. So they have to find a vein. So they find a big vein further down yeah. and they make an incision and then they that becomes the, the exit point for all the blood in the body. So once... And it, the process takes some time. And there are lots of things that the embalmer did that day mm. that I'll go into shortly. 
thanks, Obama. Yeah, I mean, we just didn't go and have a have a smoko. No, okay, back. so you don't, you don't just pop it on and bugger off for ten minutes no, and come back and it's uh, done. It's, well, it's right. a lot longer than ten minutes. But all the blood that is coming out of the body that has to to go into a special waste container. You know, they don't just send that down the drain. This is that fascinating. is seriously. Yeah, I mean, what happens if the person had, um, you know, bubonic plague? Can I ask what you do? What happens? Like, what you do with that blood? Is that disposed of? Do you? Where does it there go? There are contractors is- that come in. It goes into containers. So it doesn't just go to the tip, obviously. Oh God, no! You'd burn I mean, it up, presumably. It's taken to very special facilities. Yeah, yeah. And this is part of the cost. You don't just, you know, you just don't pour it down the toilet. No, of because course, some of, of these course. things are just so scary. Yeah. And what happens if they don't know, they think the person died of natural causes, when in fact they had some Ebola or something, or some God knows. So it's really, really heavy duty. That whole scene of getting rid of um, medical um, contaminants, that is, the, that, that is a whole, whole world. I, I'm quite sure that a lot of it is dealt with at very high temperatures in furnaces, which can kill pretty well everything. Okay. How do you know when the embalming's finished? Is there a ding noise? No. There could be, but that'd be sort of a timer, really, but that would only work on a set-sized person. But sure. if you've got a massive person... Oh, it, of, yes, of course. Person, it's like it's like um, cooking. It's like baking. You need to... The cooking time change. Sorry, correct. I'm just trying... Yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. So, what, what one does notice, and mm. it is quite extraordinary what happens to the body it almost dare i say it comes to life it takes on this kind of puffs up but not in a bad way it just gets this color of kind of more lifelike and that's sorry just just to clarify this is once the pink stuff the embalming fluid mm. has is flow has flowing but you can it. almost if you were to do some um some stopgap. Is it called stopgap photography? Stop motion? Stop motion stop photography. That would be really or... interesting. Time lapse. Right. I don't know whether it's ever been done, but I'm putting right. it out there as an idea for I'm someone yeah. to do some to do a short film. With a dead um, body, is that what you're suggesting, Dad? Well, <laughs> that's probably the only way you'd get to simulate what it because it'd be good for the public if they wanted to to actually see what a... the, re, the remarkable Transformation, okay. Yeah, the, before, the before and I'm after. Just I mean, I get, I'm just trying to no, I understand. You know, lighten things up a little bit. Okay, so there are all these other procedures. The embalming fluid, it manages to get into the arterial venal system and yeah. travel around the body. Yeah. But, Paul, can mm. you think of a part of the body that they need to attack specially? Separately? Separately. I would say the face. No. Really? Where? The, well, what about all, all your um, Extremities? intestines? Intestines. Inte- oh, hang on. What, your what? stomach and everything's still in there. Your lungs, your heart, it's all inside. Surely it's gone, like entropies, surely it's gone, gone, I don't want to say bad, but surely it's gone a bit. No, it's pretty rancid, but it's also got gases in it. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. And, um, you know, I mean, how, 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 how deep do you want me to go, Paul, with this conversation? Uh, sort of, I could look. I can. I can. I don't I can want to sense, sort of gross no, everyone no. out, and I don't want to gross no, no, myself listen. out. 
Dad, I can sense the audience uh, screaming at me, go go as far as you can. And mm. I think, honestly, if we're going to learn about embalming, we're just going to do it once. And once we know it, we okay. know it. Yeah. So, if, if, do, you, do we need to warn people about this or are we okay? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um, no, we'll just go in, go in. We're, we're, okay. we're already halfway there. But sure. there's a lot of gaseous, bloody, oozy stuff inside your intestines. Hello. Hello? No, I was saying hello, like, oh, hello. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it funny how I said hello back? <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, you know, um, when someone passes away, but if it's a murder, they're going to have a post-mortem. What are the, what's one of the things they do at the morgue? Cut it open. Yeah, right. and they remove they remove the, the stomach contents, you know, because that 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 can indicate poisoning or or there are so many different things. They get they get tissue and they freeze it and then they slice it on a microtome and then they get these fine slices of brain and they put them between two pieces of glass and they inject dye into them and then they put them under a microscope. I mean, there are so many fascinating parts to to um, that facet of medicine. Uh, forensic medicine, mm-hmm. because there are so many ways to kill a person. That's the thing about embalming. It's it's, it's pretty well the last process. With, on this specific day, were they? I, did he have to get all the organs out? No, no, he left the organs inside. Um, okay. Look, this person um, on this occasion had not been to the to the morgue. Yeah. So okay. they were intact, and a, and a doctor had issued a certificate, so the body was intact, but. They wanted a viewing because there were people coming in for this particular lady's funeral from overseas. And you don't... Um, one of the things I've heard, Paul, quite a few listeners and quite a few uh, stories with feedback often talk about the fact that they freeze the bodies, but they don't freeze the bodies. They just, they just, they're in a cool room. They're refrigerated. They're not frozen. Otherwise you'd, have to, otherwise, you'd have to defrost the body. You'd right? have to defrost them. And to do that, you might have to you know, stand there with a, with a hairdryer. For a few hours. Or worse than that, is you'd have to wheel them out in the sun. 
into the courtyard. Yeah. And yeah. that would be super Pretty weird. Yeah. Um, particularly yeah. if you remember, I mentioned Kinsella's. So imagine if you're a visitor, you would have been confronted with two things on that Saturday afternoon. Sure. You would have had a, a, a raging marijuana plantation. Yeah. And the deceased person lying on a gurney getting mm. some sunlight. Just thawing now, out. Thawing out. So to the listeners, they're not frozen. Like Christine last night, um, she tried and it took hours was to she'd frozen a chicken soup and it just wasn't defrosting it wasn't thawing out because of the the temperature here in sydney freezing yeah yep so i then filled up this tub with hot water and i placed the container and inside that container was the chicken soup frozen okay yep and i replaced the fluid now on a grand scale you you could possibly do that with a person if you had a huge like tub of hot water, but you, no, you don't need to do that because they're not frozen. Okay. Now, this is when it got really exciting. Not not exciting, but fascinating because the body that we had, this particular lady, her mouth, her it was sort of her, it was gaping. You could see right inside her by looking down into this gargantuan cavity, this mouth yeah. that was just wide open, and. Jack said to me, he said, look, John, um, this procedure that I'm going to carry out now is fairly um, fairly fascinating. Uh, I, I found the whole thing quite extraordinary. And he had this table with sort of surgical instruments, um, all the different gadgets that he used. And then he said to me, look, John, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close the mouth. And he said, do you have any idea how we do that? And I thought, well, you know, because the... The person, there was rigor mortis, and he had to loosen up the body, so he kind of manipulated the jaw, which was fascinating, and he sort of started to move it, sort of open and close it, a little bit like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, operating a um, a ventriloquist's dummy. Okay. You you know how the lower jaw kind of moves in a really creepy way? It's just basically like a hinge, like a flap, and you've got to... Yeah, yeah, okay. And, and, And ventriloquist dolls... I find absolutely abhorrent. They are, yes. They're very scary. That's um, so he, he And he, what he had to do was try not break the jaw, so he's manipulating. Interesting, um, yep. And then eventually when he got some motion in the, uh, in the particular person, because let's face it, he has to set the body up for a viewing, and you want the person to look quite nice, as nice as possible, Bearing in mind that you hadn't seen them. Sometimes you might have photographs. The family will give you a photograph of the person, how they looked, how they had their hair. Because yep. their hair is slightly disheveled. And, but I'll, I'll come to that soon. Um, so what, what Jack did, and it's a procedure that he taught me, and I got to do it many, many times down the track. And I don't... What I had to do, or what he did firstly, and then which I'll describe, but then in later on later occasions I... I kind of became the go-to person to do this particular thing because it's so it's not very pleasant but he had these what i would describe them they're like tiny little sharp bullets for anyone that's ever seen a slug that goes into a slug gun they look like a like a slug but they had a uh, like a wire trace that was about maybe maybe five inches long i guess that's what's that in centimeters that's about 15 centimeters long and he would pull the lower lip down. He would insert this metal object, like a little bullet, inside this 
gun and he would have you ever seen a spud gun yes i have so you know the principle you pop it into a potato yep and you you move it around you get some pressure mm-hmm. and then you give it a few squeezes and all of a and sudden you like yeah and it, yeah it pops and, it the, and the little thing pops out yep. so that i think that's a pretty good analogy he he'd sort of get some pressure because this thing's spring-loaded so he's got this little bullet inside the end of it and with the wire hanging off to one side he would then with his fingers pull back her lower lips so to expose the jawline underneath the teeth cool. and he would hold this gun up against the bone and he would fire it and the bullet I'm using the word bullet would would go through into her bone and it would wedge hard and tight so imagine that's and he'd test it I'm watching all this I'm thinking this is fucking insane but it's it's also logical and then so there'd be this this sort of sharp projectile embedded in her lower jaw in her mandible with the wire sticking out then he would then pull her top lip up he'd find the bone above the very top of the teeth and he would repeat the process where he'd fire this bullet into the bone and again he'd have the piece of wire sticking out and here's the magic he'd then grab the two pieces of wire he'd take the tension he'd then pull them slowly slowly together and then he'd wrap them and tie them and twist them and turn them and as he's doing that the jaw is closing until it was perfectly closed that's How, crazy is that incredible then it's he would crazy. either he'd snip with some pliers yeah. the the wire and then he would tuck the excess wire up underneath each lip top and bottom mm-hmm. and then here's the magic as if that's not incredible um, he would then get some vaseline and he would coat the lips with vaseline and then he would just press the lips together and bobs your uncle oh, hey presto shit. and at that point he had sealed the lady's mouth on this particular occasion he also used eye caps and here's another little fact for everyone on this particular occasion this lady much to my horror had no eyes um what yep they weren't there why she donated them to science oh okay i mean it's still utterly horrifying in an event horizon kind of way but it's it's that's good yeah right so if you're going to have an embalming uh, and then if you're going to have a viewing a couple of things you don't want you don't want the person to look absolutely dead and scary Uh uh-huh you you don't want them to have a gaping mouth you don't want them to have eyes open and then worse than that nothing there mm-hmm. but also when a person dies their eyes become cloudy oh yeah and that reminds me of going to the fish markets you never buy a fish with cloudy eyes did you know Why? that because because it hasn't been embalmed yet <laughs> no because if the eyes are fresh and clear it means it's been killed recently yep okay all right you with me Yes, that is actually very good advice. And now I'm thinking about fish, and uh, I never want to eat fish again. Okay, so I okay, so if she's got no eyes, yep. What? How, how did how did the eye cap? She work? doesn't need to have eyes, Paul. <clears throat> Does she? Doesn't she? Well, not now. She doesn't. Oh no, I know. But the eye caps surely are sitting over the top of eyes. Oh, not so- necessarily. They can. They can. There are ways of just you know 
There are techniques you can use. I don't really want to go into those techniques, but there are things you can do. Well, I think maybe maybe well, you, you should. You could get some wadding. Oh, yeah, okay. Wadding's not a suburb in Melbourne, is it? I don't think... I, I think um, Nana Wadding. Oh, Nana Wadding. Yeah. Okay, so you can get some, some Nana, Nana Waddings. Get some Nana Waddings. And you can press them down into the cavity. Or if you're into in Scotland, ca- if you're in Scotland, Macavity. Fucking spanner. Okay. And then you, you want to get some good form. Mm-hmm. With the uh, the shape of the eyes, well, you want to perform presumably like an orb because then it will an approximate. The- yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, and then then you can get down to things like because um, all this is happening. Meanwhile, mm. the the embalmer Jack was was keeping an eye out for the the eventual absolute pristine pink fluid to be coming out the the uh, the vein the venal the vein and. Uh, once that had happened, he then can start to uh, to seal everything up. But then he is what's called a troika, which is a which is a disgusting, large, frightening instrument. And he actually plunges that in um, sometimes through the navel, and he he works it all through the the guts. And he basically um, his objective is to pump all, uh, get rid of all the air, the rancid air. And uh, a few weeks ago, someone spoke about the the big the plug that goes into the rectum and if it's a female you can use a plug for that other place and um because and they're big they're massive screw they've got huge screws and they actually they wind them inside they sort of they're like self-tappers once you start you just keep screwing and in they go and are you still with me paul i'm struggling a bit but that's okay i yep. committed to this course and i'm going to see it through continue you did, please. You did. so yep. um yeah so then they want to fill up all all the cavities um, yep, and then they just they just go hard with pumping the uh, lots of fluid into the um, into the area where all the intestines are, mm-hmm. and the bodies basically come almost come back to life. It's it's looking the extremities are all pink, and then I I got to witness Jack doing something that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I'm going to run you through this one, and it was kind of weird, and it's unfortunately it's it's like a slow motion movie playing in my mind. When I talk about this stuff, which I haven't spoken about for a long, long time, but he would grab, he would sort of, and, and I don't know whether this is some sort of ritual that embalmers do, but it's to see it is just, it's next level, where he, and I'm going to try and paint a picture as best I can for the listeners. Okay. He kind of reaches over and he kind of puts the, in this case, the lady's hands together and... He did something that I'm buggered if I know where you'd learn how to do this, but it was almost like poetry in motion, where he needed to release and soften up the lady's arms so they had some movement because they want to put the arms into a, into a nice position for the for the viewing. They might have this particular lady, for example. And I don't want to creep people out here, but, you know, everyone's different. But they might have this particular lady. They might want her to be holding a tiny uh, posy of flowers. Now, with rigor mortis, uh, they, you know, it's going to be quite difficult to get her into the position where she looks as though she's holding flowers or might be holding some rosary beads or she might be holding a, 
a photograph. I don't know what, but it varies. So the Jack the Embalmer, he, he kind of... It's a shame we don't have a little video that we could do to really encapsulate uh, what I'm what I'm saying, and I hope my description is 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 good enough. But he would sort of press in and clasp her hands, and then he would do this weird motion where he would like pull everything down, and then raise the hands up, bearing in mind that both her hands are locked. So whatever he does, because they're locked, the left and right hand is working in unison, sort of mirror image. Yeah. And he would do this sort of like almost a kind of an, like a dance, like a, a sort of this motion. And he would do it back and forth and he'd, he'd rotate and twist and, and sort of, and he basically got full movement into her arms. And then he would rest them on her chest. Right. At the end. And the whole thing took about, depending on the expertise of the, of the practitioner, um, bearing in mind, this is not a course you do at TAFE on how to, yeah, get to do that sort of stuff. I mean, that specific thing. I'd, I'd probably call it even a trick of the trade. Um, it's it's very interesting. Definitely okay. on the job training. Yeah. And uh, and then once, and then he just rested the hands peacefully together. Now, can I just also say on this particular occasion, being a woman, um, she did not have a lot of facial hair, but I'm sure that the listeners have heard, and I'm about to actually say that it is the truth, that hair and fingernails do grow after you pass away in a future podcast i perhaps will talk about the whole process of of shaving a dead person their face that is and i i used to do that hello are you still there paul yes 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 sorry sorry no 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 so it's pretty it's look it's and then and then down the track i can talk how one of the worst things i ever had to do in the funeral industry was um i had to do the funeral of my aunt and the family actually said, would I be able to dress her? Okay, that was really, that's heavy. Oof, gives me the, Jesus. the shudders. Christ. But okay. I did that too. So I've, I've done some pretty weird, weird stuff, but not, yeah. I mean, yeah, anyway. Mm. So, uh, but the, and, and look, once the, uh, once the uh, embalming is, uh, is completed and the body looks fresh, uh, you seal up all the, uh, all the various orifices you seal up the where you went in with the embalming fluid. Obviously, the escape uh, section. Well, you don't want the fluid to. You don't escape. want it to leak. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And yep. then once it's all done, the body's put back in the fridge. Then the funeral home, um, i.e., me and my colleagues, we would then wheel a, a, a coffin over to the to the mortuary. Jacket long gone. We'd then put the body into um, the coffin. And um, sometimes you would um, apply makeup, brush the hair, make it look presentable. Here's a little sort of fun fact. You would invariably, the viewings, at least when I was working for Kinsella's, would be held in people's private homes, which was quite surreal. So we would rock up with the, ho- the hearse. We'd all be dressed immaculately, suits. Quite often it would be at night time. And it was very, very, very surreal. We would wheel the coffin in. We'd set it up. We'd open the, we'd take the, the casket cover off. And of course, we'd been driving sometimes for many, many kilometers. And, you know, if you went over the, the, the odd speed bump, sometimes the body would become slightly dislodged within the, the casket. So one thing we always learned uh, was that you'd prepare the body slightly again to make it look perfect. 
And then okay. uh, you'd say to the designated family member, it's it's all, all ready to go. Then we'd all go outside and then the family would have the viewing, which could last um, anywhere from, say, half an hour to many, many hours. And then someone would come and call us. We'd go back in. We'd put the cover back on. We'd screw the, the lid down, six screws. And we'd reverse the procedure back into the um, into the hearse. We'd go back home. We then would take the body, if it was a night viewing, out of the coffin. We'd put it back in the fridge. Oh, boy. And another thing about coffins, which we haven't discussed, is that for a viewing, you had to line the coffin and make it with pillows and make it look kind of nice. You just wouldn't have, obviously, just in some box. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Jesus Christ. There's a lot okay. to it, Paul. Yeah, we're probably going to get more into, uh, you know, some of the weird offshoots of this stuff later on in this season of Loose Units. But, Dad, we have gone aggressively, enthusiastically over time, and it's all thanks to McCavities, McVities, and new sponsors. I'm kidding. They don't have new sponsors. Although, if they want to sponsor us, that's fine. And if they want to exist, that's their call. Thank you so much for listening to another truly bizarre and terrifying episode of Loose Units Dead Serious. Don't forget... Electric Blue, my second book about Dad's adventures, comes out on the 18th of August. And keep your eyes peeled and your ears peeled. That sounds very painful. For the digital launch party event that we're going to be doing, you'll be able to tune in live wherever you are across the world and participate in our launch. It's going to be really great and we'll have more info soon. But we'll see you later this week for an episode of Loose Ends. See ya. Cheerio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.